You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Have you ever been asked to make a decision that either stressed you out or resulted in you settling for something you really didn't want? Or were just too tired from all the decisions you've made that you didn't want to make another? Hey buddy, where do you want to go to lunch? Uh, give me answer to Uh, food for thought, Moe's, and La Tateca. Uh, you pick for me. I pick for you? Um, food for thought? I don't have a taste for that one. Okay, uh, Moe's? Why didn't you just make that choice from the beginning? I just didn't really want to choose for myself. Oh, okay. It's like shopping for something specific and eventually finding yourself settling on something because you grew tired of searching and then the next day you have buyer's remorse. It's like working through your grocery list, item after item, getting to the checkout line, seeing the rack of last minute goodies, candy, soda, gum, magazines, chapstick, mine's are always chapstick, and then impulsively grabbing one. or. It's like finding yourself on social media after a long day, maybe it's late at night, you're, you're tired, you see something that gets you a little riled up, you've been thinking about it, and in your defenseless state of mind, you make that post or share that meme and you regret it. Now, researchers call this phenomena decision fatigue. It's, it's, it's sometimes called mental exhaustion, but it's slightly different from that. I want to give you a couple of studies. I did a lot of research on this, kind of thinking this through in light of brain science and just what's out there. And I found uh, this interesting case, which was one of the first things sent to me by a member of our church family uh, who was talking this through with me. Uh, it was about a time when researchers, uh, researchers discovered by analyzing more than 1,100 decisions over the course of a year concerning people's parole. So there was a pattern uh, to the parole board's decisions, but it wasn't related to the men's ethnic backgrounds or crimes or sentences. Judges who would hear the prisoner's appeal and then get advice from other members of the board approved parole in about a third of the cases, but the probability of being paroled fluctuated wildly throughout the day. Prisoners who appeared early in the morning received parole about 70% of the time, while those who appeared late in the day were paroled less than 10% of the time. The odds favored the prisoner who appeared at 8.50 a.m., and they did get parole. 
There was no malicious intent here in the judge's behavior. It just illustrates what researchers have found to be true. That our human capacity to choose gets tired and weary the longer we go through our day, choice after choice after choice. And that becomes a problem. The harder each choice is, becomes difficult for our brain. And Brain Science tells us that, that our brain eventually looks for shortcuts in one of two ways. One way is to be impulsive. Uh, instead of spending energy weighing the good and the bad, the benefit and the cost of the consequence, do it anyway. The other shortcut is the easiest of all. The brain says, do nothing. Instead of agonizing over the choice, just avoid it. What we find true, and we have some biblical reason for this, is we each have this, I want to, but I really shouldn't, inner conflict that becomes more difficult to resist as the day goes on. We, we give in to the, I want to, and lay aside the, I really shouldn't. Like when we're tired, our brain is more prone to making these impulsive decisions. When we're stressed out or weary, our minds and hearts are more prone to making unhealthy decisions. Coping behaviors happen from this. It's why we, when we live in chronic stress, uh, our ongoing experiences of even like trauma, we can make poor decisions in any area of our life. Relationships, jobs, spending habits, eating habits, hobbies. I mean, think about it. Have you found yourself more prone to, to sin? Like that struggle that you live with in your being, like have you found that that becomes harder to resist the, the tireder you are? The fact is, we love our choices. Our society is built on choice. For us, choices mean freedom. But it is possible, and research would say it's probable, that our whatever-you-want culture harms us. Dr. Baumaster, one of the researchers who conducted many of these experiments on researching decision fatigue, uh, he said this, Good decision-making is not a trait of a person in the sense that it's always there. It's a state that fluctuates. The point the doctor is making is that they found people with strong enough self-control to structure their lives are the ones who conserve willpower or mental strength. They, they limit their decision-making opportunities by structure. They don't schedule back-to-back -back meetings. They limit smartphone activities, including social media. They preset their meal plans. They establish habit and routine that eliminate an abundance of choices so they can make the right choice more often. You could say that they make the right big choice that settles the smaller choices automatically. What is a choice to someone else isn't a choice to them because the decision was made earlier to eliminate it all together, right? Like it simplifies things. And I can't help but think, what if the creator of our brains teaches us that the decision for our faith settles some of the decisions offered to us throughout the day. Like, what if our decision for Jesus' lordship means that some things just aren't options for us as Christ followers? 
There may be options for society, but they're not an option for us because our decision that Jesus is Lord settles that choice. And I got to thinking about Matthew, Mark, and Luke, their Gospels, and I got to thinking about John's Gospel and how all these Gospels have different points of emphasis as they tell the story of Jesus, and they all have different traits to them, uh, threads that they're weaving within the story of their retelling of the Gospel that's important to them. John's Gospel has a lot of stories about making a decision. Like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell stories where people make a decision, but John's Gospel seems to be story after story after story about decisions having to be made. And you probably remember me saying that John's gospel, scholars see, is a gospel of provocation, meaning that the signs in John's gospel are to provoke decision. And I think the same is in the stories. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 1, for example. In John 1, we learn that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, God Himself and Jesus, so that we could make a decision about Jesus. God came to us in Jesus so we could make a decision about Jesus. In the same chapter, we learn that John the Baptist's ministry had, uh, was to bear witness to Jesus, right? So others could make a decision about Jesus. Later in John chapter 1, we read the story of Nathaniel, who is confronted with a decision about Jesus. Jesus. In John chapter 2, the disciples with Jesus have a decision to make when they see him at the wedding turn water into wine. Later in that chapter, chapter 2, we read Jesus cleansing the temple, turning over tables, and the religious leaders are confronted with what to do about Jesus. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus, a religious leader, a student of the Bible, is confronted by Jesus. And he has to make a decision about what it will mean to relearn everything because of Jesus. Later in that same chapter, tells us that Nicodemus heard Jesus say that he came to the world to offer the world liberation and rescue. But the world has to choose the truth he offers, whosoever believes. In John chapter 4, we have the story of the Samaritan woman and Jesus meets her at the well and she's confronted by him to make a decision. Is he the Messiah or is he not? And in that same story, the disciples see him talking to the Samaritan woman, which is racially sketchy, ethnically sketchy, and they have a decision to make about what Jesus is really about. And then in that same story, the Samaritan village where the woman lives runs to them, tells them about Jesus, and it says the whole village makes a decision about Jesus. In John chapter 5, we hear this story of this man at the pool of Bethesda. He cannot walk. He wants to get into the pool. Every day he shows up, it says, for 32 years. People get in. He tries to get help. They deny him. He sees Jesus there that one day, and Jesus looks at him and says, do you want to be well? He has to make a decision. And then we know the story in John 6 where all of Jesus' followers have a decision to make. To follow him in full allegiance or not. And then later in that story, Peter's asked if he and the original disciples will remain with Jesus or will they go too? Peter has a decision to make. You know what, we could go on, right? But I want to fast forward to John 18 for a minute because I don't want to miss some other important decisions that take place in John. So Jesus stands before the Roman governor Pilate. 
And it's there that Pilate is confronted with his own question because of the claims he hears Jesus makes. And Pilate asks, what is truth? And so then in John 20, Mary's the first to see the risen Jesus, and she has a decision to make. And then she runs to where the disciples are hiding out, and they have a decision to make, to believe her or go see for themselves. Later in that chapter, and we know this story, Thomas is confronted with a decision to believe or not believe. Then in John 21, the last chapter, Peter has a decision to make to be restored, forgiven, and lead the disciples to trust in the grace of God or not. And I think John knows this, right? Because in John chapter 20, verses 30 to 31, this is what John says. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in his name. John is saying toward the end of his gospel story, his gospel retelling, that his gospel is to bring the readers to a decision. And when I think about decision fatigue and the myriad of options we are given in the day, I mean, Tons of options, tons of choices we have to make. Of all the decisions we have to make, there is no greater decision than what we will do with Jesus. And we know this, but I think too often we think it's a one-time decision. We go, well, I made that decision in my baptism. Or I made that decision Sunday. But I'm saying, I'm saying, I think this is a daily decision, one we must make again And again, and what if this decision is the one decision we make every day that has the power to liberate us from decision fatigue? Like, what if this decision, that Jesus is Lord of all of life and every life, whose gospel speaks directly to every belief and ethic I hold, what if that decision has the power to settle all other decisions we are presented every day? The decisions were presented in the news. The decisions were presented at work. The decision we are presented in parenting. The decision we are presented in who to date. The decision we are presented in what we understand about the world. Here's what I mean. I don't have to decide whether or not to show kindness. My decision that Jesus is Lord settles it because that's what Jesus does as Lord. He shows kindness. I don't have to decide whether or not I should help the person in need, no matter the need or how they got there. I only have to decide how to help because that's what Jesus does as Lord. I don't have to decide whether or not I should forgive someone, only how to forgive because that is what Jesus does as Lord. I don't have to decide whether or not I should love this person or that person, only how to love this person and that person, because that is what Jesus does as Lord. I don't have to decide whether I agree with another person's pain or suffering or rage. I only have to decide how to care for them in their pain, suffering, and rage, how to be with them in it, because that's what Jesus does 
as Lord. I don't have to decide whether or not I share my hope in Jesus, only how to share it. Because Jesus shared his life with everybody. What if we made the Lordship of Jesus the first choice we make every day? Each morning we decide again and again to follow Jesus into our day and into our choices, or in some cases, around false choices. Daily deciding for Jesus with this kind of intentionality could simplify our choices. I don't have to decide whether or not I should consider other people's well-being as important to me. The decision is made when I said Jesus is Lord. Right? Like we could go on. And even still, even still with all of this, there will be some who do not see it this way. But here's the liberation of the decision that Jesus is Lord. See, I don't have to decide on ways to change someone else, to change their behaviors or change their beliefs, because I can't change anyone but me. That is what King Jesus teaches me. And here's the beauty of it all. You and I can make a decision for Jesus only because God made a decision for us in Jesus. He chose to welcome you and me into his life. Jesus is God with us to show us God's love, liberate us from the reign of sin and death into God's kingdom of grace, to share in God's life both now and forever. Jesus chose us, me and you and anyone else who will choose to welcome him. He made a decision for me and for you so that we could learn how to make the right ones. And he's given us the power of the Spirit to do so. And he's given us one book to learn our entire lives, to understand the world as he sees it, because Jesus has come. What if we made the Lordship of Jesus the first choice we make every day, like develop practices and habits in our lives where we look ourselves in the mirror and hear ourselves confess, today I will choose Jesus as Lord and submit all choices to his lordship. I will look in his scriptures to see how this choice aligns with his desires for me in this world as a citizen of his kingdom as a part of the colony of heaven in the midst of the nations. Each morning, we take that level of intentionality and decide again to follow Jesus into our day, into our choices, and in some cases, around false choices. <laughs> like, really, y'all? Like, this is where the WWJD really could matter. What would Jesus, like, what would he do? And if presented with this choice, what would he do? Or what would he say? And whatever he would do, whatever he would say, that's what I should do. Maybe that's what I should say. And every week we gather and we come to this table, we are reminded 
and the bread that is his body, the cup that is his blood. We are reminded that he chose us. He made the decision of all decisions so that we could be liberated into making the right, life-giving, beautiful decisions, even the hard ones. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.